You're listening to In the Open, a Mental Health America podcast, a space where we explore mental health and navigate the challenges of life through honest and candid conversation. Hi, everybody. Welcome back in the open. Today, we're going to talk about how do I quit bad habits? I hide in shame. (laughs) I should acknowledge that we've done similar podcasts. I think we talked about my picking disorder as a habit. We also talked about why change is so hard. I think things change over time. So where where I think there is a connection to like some of what you talked about, like the picking and stuff like that. But, you know, immediately where my bad habit went wasn't like, oh, I eat crappy snacks or something. It was like, I can be a little sarcastic. <laughs> mm-hmm. I do think building insight about what is a bad habit is the first step to (laughs) quitting bad habits. So maybe we should test have a confessionals. Yeah. Okay. So you said you were snarky. I said sarcastic, but snarky could totally fit. When I didn't know you as well, I used to think you hated me. (laughs) Yeah, I I do come off that way. (laughs) I'm like, I'm going to hide in my office. Because I tend to be very, I keep to myself. So it's not until I really have a conversation with with someone that they're like, "Oh, okay, you can you're like an actual person that I can talk to." Well, and well, so it's like interesting though, because right, some of this might be you're like, "Well, that's my personality, or how I feel," and I don't need to be any different than who I am. And I don't think you did either. You know, it's hard because I don't know that I would call those like my bad habits. But the difference is when you know you have some control over your actions or your behaviors that you know affect your family or your friends. Is that why you said snarkiness? Yes. Because it's not just who you are. You also know. I can control it. screws with your relationships and you can control it. Yeah. So it's a habit in that I do have control. I maybe not always recognize it, but when I do recognize it, I can be like, yo, hit pause, right? Yeah. So I think some of that conversation is tied to like our experience and how we may be received by others. And But ultimately, I think what you were, you were saying is it, there is a progression. Like, yes, there are bad habits that we can engage in, like sitting in front of the TV, munching on Cheetos for seven hours. You know, not the healthiest thing. Maybe it's a coping strategy too, but it's a bad habit if it's hurting us. Wait, so I'm snarky. What about you, dude? I, I'm trying to like think about the difference between what I would call a bad habit and what I sometimes feel like is a symptom of my mental health problems. Like right now, people know recently I'm just like in a bad space, so I isolate. And I'm like, would I say that isolating is a coping skill or is it a symptom or is it a bad habit? Because it fits all the criteria you described. It's a thing I know that I do and it hurts people. Like my husband's like, you just disappear or whatever. And I'm like, I'm disappearing because you don't want to be with this person. Trust me. I'm saving you from this. I am saving you. You don't want this, Teresa. But I would not call that a bad habit. What is a bad habit that stems from my bad space is I can say mean things. That's hard to say out loud. And it's like, if I'm not in a good space, like, am I using that as an excuse to say mean things or Mm. to mistreat people? And that's a bad habit because I know that I should not do that. 
Interesting. And it reminds me of when I really engaged in bad habits, like bad drinking habits, you know, bad drinking habits. That's a big one in my family because we come from a family of alcoholics. So, Babe, let me ask you a question. So some of what you shared is, I'm going to say time-based, right? Like, So right now, if you're not in the best place, maybe the, the bad habit is connected to the isolation piece. Mm-hmm. It can also be a protective factor. I got that. But also now that you're mentioning like other habits like drinking or drug use, things like that, mm-hmm. in the continuum of our kind of well-being, I think part of that conversation is I wasn't where I was 10 years ago, right? So yeah, mm-hmm. before I could have sat and like had, you know, a couple of drinks or whatever. But now I no longer engage in that, but the way that I then maybe sit with that frustration or whatever the hell the feeling is, it's a, it's like a progression, some growth there as well, change that has to come about. And then I have bad habits that because, and it may be worthwhile to talk about where I just have never been able to let it go. Nail biting and chewing the skin on the side of my fingers, mm-hmm. my picking disorder, A new one I had recently that I've had for the last five years is sucking in and biting the inside of my mouth. Mm. I do that sometimes. I didn't realize that I do that until right now. I know somebody pointed out to me. It's like the you have to have awareness, right? Like I remember the first time somebody pointed it out to me, and I instantly felt shame and awareness. That I was like, oh my gosh, I was unconsciously doing that. And it makes your face look angry. And why? Why am I so stressed out that I am biting my face? You know what I do? It wouldn't even be considered, I wouldn't consider it a bad habit, but there there are people in my life that are like, you shouldn't do that. I do what you say. Like I sometimes bite the inside of my mouth and I don't know why I do it. But the other is I will pick up my skin on my lip, just in my teeth. Mm-hmm. So my fiance will say, like, you're doing that thing. And I'm like, Ugh. oh, I know that feeling. It's the shame. I'm like, what? It's not hurting you. And he's like, but it's hurting you. I was like, it's not hurting me at all. In another podcast, we did talk about that, like the, the skin peeking and stuff like that. Because those are very common. I just don't think people ever think about them as being like some sort of I'm going to I'm going to call it dysfunctional behavior but is it necessarily But that, that's where that shame comes in though, right? Yeah. Because you and I don't feel bad about it when I'm sitting by myself doing my bad <laughs> habit until somebody points it out to me like, "Why do you do that? Or you should try to stop doing that." Or my worst is like, "You look so great except when you do that." Oh god. <laughs> You're like, "Oh my god." Oh, I've had that. You know when I've had that? When, you know, I tend to really have a a serious face most often when I'm working, when Mm -hmm. I'm just, I'm just, and I remember working and somebody was like, you should smile more. No, 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 no. (laughs) Man. We moved beyond the generational time when we need to (laughs) be that person anymore. Let's not, okay? Because that kind of like putting on that mask is exhausting. Okay. Let me tell you some of my other bad habits that I'm thinking about right now. Some of, some of those are behavioral, like, you know, me being snarky or whatever. The other can be, well, when you're talking about isolating, like, when I am, like, super in my head, angry, upset, emotional, 
I'm like, I need to leave wherever I am and disappear. And I will like go for a drive or something. Mm. So like when you think about like the couple's work and stuff that's done, they're like, yeah. you should never leave a space. Oh. You, know, you should be there. I'm like, no, that's, that doesn't help me. So it's not a bad habit, I think, until your partner tells you that when you do that, it causes them distress or pain in a way where you know that you're – I know what you mean because I've had moments where we do things to each other that hurt one another and sometimes we do that intentionally and sometimes we do it because we need space. And when your partner tells you what you're doing actually hurts me, then mm-hmm. I have to make a decision like – do I see what I'm doing as a habit that I clearly like, but is actively hurting someone else? And I have to make a decision what's more important here. My need to go engage in this behavior or the fact that I'm really hurting someone else. And this is interesting because you also see clear lines with addiction issues, right? Like when I'm Mm -hmm. drinking, I have to ask the same things. Like obviously drinking is a self-coping skill or whatever that – and also the way that my brain really likes alcohol because of my family history. But it's like, does my drinking hurt me and hurt other people? Right. And then suddenly it's not so fun anymore, right? Like it's a problem. So I thought that was very interesting that you talked about running away and going on your drives. In many ways, I I would do something similar to you, right? Like I would take the mind frame. Look, if if I stay here, there will be a fire explosion in my head of emotion. So, but what's interesting, we're talking about some of the physical stuff, like the picking stuff, which in many ways is a manifestation of the feelings that we feel that we don't know how to control like i i suffer from that i i really do like i pick up my my nails and stuff like that so i get manicures to prevent me from doing that but the other is that that's this more emotional space of bad habits and then more in towards these like action oriented things like engaging in alcohol consumption or drug consumption or and even in some cases maybe, you know, even like self-harm in some way. Would you say that most of the bad habits we've discussed, I'm going to basically summarize what you described because what I hear you saying, and I think it's true, is that most of the what we call bad habits that we have, you're saying that it stems first from this underlying emotional need or experience. Yep. 100% agree with you. Like none of the things that I do that I don't want to do or that I do and I love that I do, but probably know that I shouldn't do. (laughs) I've done because I'm fulfilling a tick or an overwhelming feeling or an avoidance of feeling. Mm -hmm. Wow, that avoidance of feeling is a really hard one because it is such a good skill to run away. Like you're not, you don't have the mindset and the the energy in that moment to like really – do anything with it other than just give in just just give into it which is so hard yeah and so we can't often heal from these things or change our behaviors without first attending to that emotional need at my worst i have to first take care of my emotional needs which is hard for mental illness it's hard in any in any place i think it, it gets worse when when it's compiled with a mental illness but 
I think too often when we talk about bad habits, like when you go out into the world and like, oh, what are bad habits? Oh, you don't exercise enough. You eat too much. You're eating too much junk food or, you know, things that don't really go into that depth of understanding the why they do a disservice to people. Cause then you're just like, oh, if you're eating too much, go exercise. And it's like, well, what's the reason for you eating too much? Like really understand yeah. that. Right. So that's interesting. Cause with cigarettes, like alcohol, it's feeding a need you have. Like I have smoked cigarettes. When I smoke a cigarette, I feel alive for just that five minutes. That like cigarette, like woke me up. And I remember what it is to feel like not that drainingness of depression. Hmm. So when I'm I'm depressed, I have such a risk factor for picking up like hardcore smoking again. And I actively hate the fact that it like does such a good thing for me at the same time that I also hate my brain for being in that space and how much I just like am mad that there's nothing else. (laughs) Yeah. I think part of what you're saying too, and I think you kind of – touched on it a little bit at the beginning is understanding whatever X habit is impacting your life and and other people in your life that you care about. Sometimes it may not be visible to other people because you're so ashamed about it. So you, you go out of your way to really keep it a secret, right? Hide it. Oh yeah, yeah for sure. Yeah, you hide it. Which to me is like a, after feeling shame, like if I'm actively hiding... <laughs> my habit is a pretty good sign that I know it's something I really have to work on. Right. Like it's a red flag. Yeah. I think you have to, you have to navigate that to understand what it is that you're trying to tackle. For some folks, it, it is based on your experience, you know, where for instance, you know, if we're talking about biting our nails or whatever, yeah, it's not hurting anybody, but if all of a sudden, you know, somebody tries to grab your hand or whatever, and you're like completely ashamed about it. Okay. That shame connects some to something deeper that's going on. Yeah. I also have like the, I do this all the time. I like crack my knuckles. It feels fabulous to me, but you know, it is tied to this experience, figuring out how it impacts your life. And then the next step is in asking yourself if you really want to change it. Yeah, the commitment to change, which I think that shame feeds right into that because you're like, I'm not going to be compelled to make a change unless I feel so bad about whatever it is that I'm doing or how gross it is that it gives me the motivation, more motivation to change that behavior than the motivation that my brain and the automaticness of like doing what I want to do, right? So- one of the things I re- realized that I um, – when I've had to break a bad habit, because I'm an avoider, mm-hmm. I recognize that avoiding things also made me avoid the pain of the way that my bad habits were hurting other people. So in order to recover and to stop my bad habit, which is so painful, I literally had to sit in the pain that I was causing other people. Yeah. For myself. Like, yeah. look at your scar – And look at what you're doing. Yeah, but you know, part of what you're saying is, I think many times we, we as individuals may choose, okay, because it it is a choice. I'm going to avoid it, not really going to address it. It's not doing anything. And it's not until somebody, somebody is hurt by it, 
with intention, without intention, somebody's hurt by it, that then that makes us react in a way like you hurting yourself doesn't matter. But the shame that's connected to it, the fact that somebody else has been hurt by it, then that pushes us towards action to then reframe and be like, hold up. Yeah. And then that's the push that you need to be like, wait, I, I may have to really understand this a little better. And you do have to sit in that crap to recognize what your responsibility is there. But that takes a lot of work and it is really painful. And then we move forward to then say, I'm going to try to do these things, right? To make, to make these habits less problematic, to not use, you know, not focus on using these habits as a, a scapegoat for my behavior, which sometimes can be the case. Okay. So steps on how to quit. First, recognizing that something is a bad habit, then recognizing, building the motivation to make change. What's the next step? I have something in mind. Accepting your responsibility. Okay. This is very like 12 stepsy. It is though. <laughs> Which but really, I love 12 steps. I know some people really, really hate it. You need steps because the, the human the human experience, it's so easy for us to be like, yeah, we're going to do these things. And we never do them because our brain gets jumbled with stuff and there's no order. So the order to the steps helps us realign and be like, oh, damn, I was at step two. I was going to say ritual and replacement, but I like that you're saying responsibility because it is the previous step to just ritual and replacement, right? It's really, to me, is that part of sitting in that pain is accepting the responsibility of the way that you've hurt yourself and hurt other people? Totally. You gotta feel it and you can't run away from it. And it's true. It's so really hard and painful. And that that phase of that avoidance and that pull and push is a long period. And it and when someone pushes, it's so easy for us to run away. Yeah. And and, and to find other excuses to just continue to engage in our behavior. And I think there is absolutely a, a long period of time where you have to accept responsibility because, yeah, I've started lying about this crap. I'm trying to hide it. I know mm -hmm. it's wrong. And being honest. Yeah. And all those things are so hard to do and they're painful. They are. If you feel like it is, it is because it is painful. Yeah. You know, the I think the other part of that experience too is – is really taking the time to understand how all of your functions, not everything is a bad habit, not everything can be deemed with that label, right? But it is about recognizing where you feel there are problems to then feel like you need to act on it. The other is then actually doing something about it. <laughs> so when you are ready to move to action phase, just from my personal experience and something from professors and teachers who've worked with, who've taught me about addiction and a framework that I really like. I thought about rituals and replacements. What does that refer to? So I had this amazing professor who was a substance use teacher and she talked to us about this sociologist named Zoja. And this sociologist who's like a mental health sociologist talked about the importance of ritual and, and how also with like Thomas Fogarty, I think that's his name, about emptiness. And so if you, a lot of time that emotional void is like what it is that we're engaging in is because we need to fill an emotional void or to deal with what we've talked about, those feelings, right? But also in life, we have these rituals, these, ha these good habits. 
and these experiences that give us a lot of meaning. And so when I engage in bad habits, is that my way to create ritual? And so it's really important to think like, do I have a ritual about the way that I engage in stuff? And oh man, when I start to look into that, I totally recognize my patterns. It's like, when do I go and engage in that bad habit? How do I even feel as I'm gearing up to go there? And then how do I feel when I'm doing it? Like, how do I feel when I'm chomping on my skin, you know, or picking at something or taking a smoke of a cigarette or having a drink of alcohol? How do I feel? How is there ritual? You know what that makes me think about? Mm -hmm. I'm going to tell you. I had a friend who loved to gossip. Loved. Yeah. She would get giddy, you know, with like excitement and be like, oh my God, I got to tell you something. Mm-hmm. And I try not to do that. I try not to gossip in that way because if I have something to say to you, I'm going to say it to you. I don't, I don't like all that stuff. So, but she would go out of her way and tell us and spend time with us and girlfriends talking about this stuff. And then one time somebody was like, I heard you said some stuff, right? Mm-hmm. And she was like, no, I didn't. And I, I remember being there. I was like, I mean, if you're going to go out into the world and, and gossip, you got to own what you say. And it was not until that time that this person really confronted her that she then felt how much of a, of a negative impact this can have. And she had to learn how to like not do that anymore, which was really hard for her. Yeah. And that feeling. Yeah. That feeling you get when you want to engage in these things that you don't, that you know are probably not good, or when somebody first calls you out, like you have Mm -hmm. to attend to that too. So, does she work up to hearing the gossip and like, who am I going to tell this to? Mm-hmm. How is it going to make me feel to share it? And like, why? Why does sharing it make you feel better? And what's that ritual? Because you have to replace it. You yes. got to stop what you do and then you got to replace it with something else. And that's where I think a lot of that ex- existence is you have to then figure it out, right? Like what you're talking about, that Im- that gap. If you're gossiping, why is that? And if you're not gossiping, what are you not getting? Yeah. Is it social connection? You want to be involved in people's lives but don't know how. Yeah. Or if you have a bad habit that you're that is not impacting other people's lives as much. So everybody has bad habits, but on the spectrum of bad habits, a lot of people have bad habits that don't really hurt other people. Mm-hmm. I find that when they talk to us as people who do have bad habits that are horribly self-destructive, it can come off like platitudes like, uh, oh, you should just quit. Mm. And and that feels horrible because then it feels shameful that when I'm not able to change as quickly as I am, that it must be because it's my fault and not because right. actually what I'm healing from is deep pain. Right. It's like, no, you and suck a- as a person because you can't stop. Yeah. And it's like, no, I actually have deep, horrible, long-term, totally. unresolved pain. Yeah. And I didn't live my whole lifetime just not having that pain and it just disappeared, right? Like I sat and had pain that was unresolved for a long time. And the longer it goes unresolved, the deeper it is, the darker it is, the easier it is to use those things that you use to make yourself feel better because that's all you knew. That's all you knew and what you had. I do think too in what you're saying – and I have seen this through personal experiences with, 
you know, loved ones and, and really good friends of mine where they may have a really bad habit that does hurt other people and themselves and then they stop. Cold turkey, I'm never going to do it again. And it's like, I'm all for it. I'm all for you doing that if you think it's going to work. But my mental health brain says, if you don't deal with the crap that's led you to this point, it's going to surface again in another way. But I'm very mindful of saying that because I know how it can come up and be like, well, you don't even believe that I can do it. Nope, nope, not saying that. But I, I do know the emotional weight that is you're, you're carrying, whether you recognize it or not. It is tied to that. So I think you also have to be cautious about deciding to do something immediately and setting yourself up for failure. Yeah. Actually, and I, I thank you for talking about failure because when you're ha- building new habits, it's too sucky to think that when you have a relapse or when you start engaging your behavior again, that you're a failure. And a lot of people talk about this. Like, I can't see that as a failure. Everything has to be seen as a process. Am I trying today better than I did five years ago? And Mm -hmm. what am I doing that's better? Is it more awareness? Is it less hiding? Is it less shame? Is it less what? What I also notice is when I relapsed, when I get better, I'm better at catching myself earlier Mm -hmm. than letting myself slide into that such a deep space that I'm in really deep trouble. Yeah. And that's so important. And and I think it's important that when we like have these experiences where we slip back, that each of those moments in time are a learning experience. You're not a failure. You are practicing a new habit. You are letting go of old ways. You're picking up new ways that are not always not without pain themselves. Like mm-hmm. looking at the people in your life and acknowledging that you have hurt them and making accountability for the ways that you have hurt people is painful. So let me ask you one question because I want to make sure that we um, we address it. For, for somebody to engage in this process, do you think it's helpful to really work with a professional to help guide them through this change process? I will say it's not important that you talk to a professional. It's important that you talk to someone. Because I'm not going to say, oh, a professional is the perfect person for you, right? Mm -hmm. A lot of people find different supports, but you need support. I don't think I could do those things and change and quit bad habits that are the most damaging bad habits without support. And that means that for – it's like who is going to be my accountability buddy? Who is going to be the person I feel safe enough with that I'm honest with? Yeah, I That I'm going to call them, talk to them, be there when I'm having a hard time. And I know that they've agreed to be that for me. It's like depending on like what habit I'm trying to tackle, some of them require like me asking a friend, like you might need to be on call 24 hours a day because I don't know if I'm going to do something at 3 a.m. But I'm going to replace this behavior. I'm going to say I'm not going to go turn towards that direction. I'm going to call you and you're agreeing that I can do that no matter what time of the day. I think you're totally right. I think I think a lot about the support group model, right, where people are living this with you, alongside you, and they, you don't have to go and try to explain what the experience is like, because they've experienced it, they know it. I totally think that support 
is so important so we don't feel alone in this. Yeah. And having that person is part of the recovery healing journey because that person's not just going to walk me through like staying committed to myself. Being accountable is knowing that like that honesty and that openness and that pain and that person is someone who I trust and who loves me so that I don't have shame. Or if I do, that I can just say it out loud. Like I can say it and and just check my worst impulses. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That they're accepting. That I mean, that that's what it is. You know, you don't have to um you don't have to play around with how you're gonna be accepted in the space. It 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 just is. All right. Okay, people. Keep, keep on fighting, fighting in the open. Keep on fighting in the open. Yeah. Till next time. <laughs>